If you have a Bible and hope you do, you can turn to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start there. need to apologize if you've been here the last couple weeks. I, I cut us off in the middle of a series. I realized I looked at my calendar and I did a terrible job of planning. And so we were in Luke 15 on the Lost and Found series. We're going to pause that uh, because I didn't want to miss this opportunity to enter in uh, with thousands of churches and for hundreds of years into this season together into Advent. And so we'll pause that. We'll come back to that. But we're going to uh, continue in our worship through the proclamation of God's Word, starting with John chapter 1. I'll read the first 14 verses and then pray for our time. As always, as I read, we just ask you to listen carefully. This is God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Since the reading of God's word, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just heard never will. Let's pray. Father, it is a great kindness to us that now you would come and address us by your word and the power of your spirit. And So, Lord, I pray that you would do that. Uh, not just for this message, but as we enter into this season of Advent, of, of looking forward, uh, looking back and looking forward to your comings, both the first one and the next one, Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, uh, prepare for us what you would have for us as a people uh, to see and savor you. Lord, make your word come alive in our lives and our hearts now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He emerged from the L'Enfant Metro Station in Washington, D.C. at 7.51, went up to the stairwell, went up to the back wall, next to the trash can. By all, this, by all measures, he was a nondescript, a, a white male with a long-sleeved T-shirt, a Washington Nationals baseball cap. Uh, from a small case, he removed a violin, positioned the case towards the pedestrian traffic, threw in some dollars and some coins and, for, and seed money, and began playing. For the next 41 minutes, internationally acclaimed virtuoso Joshua Bell would play six masterpieces of classical music on his $3.5 million Stradivarius violin, where over a thousand people would pass him during those minutes, the vast majority not noticing him at all. 
So just to recap the story at this point, uh, Joshua Bell, virtual, uh, virtuoso, perhaps the best violinist in the world, uh, was in Washington, D.C. on a Friday morning at 7.51, and for 43 minutes he played six masterpieces, and he went largely unnoticed by the crowd. He was hidden in plain sight. The, it was an experiment by the Washington Post, and they wrote an article about it called Pearls Before Breakfast. I love the article, very long article, but what, what I love about this article is that uh, the interviews that they do with the people after the fact to see how their commute was, and uh, this is how the Washington Post puts it. It says, it's an experiment in context, perception, and priorities, as well as an unblinking assessment of public taste. In a banal setting, at an inconvenient time, would beauty transcend? When they were preparing, they said, oh, no, what are we going to do? This, we're going to have to call in, like, crowd control. We're going to have to do all these things. But uh, no, the vast majority of people walked by Joshua Bell. Three days before, he played Boston Stately Symphony Hall to a sold-out crowd where merely good t- tickets went for $100 a pop. But here he was playing in the midst of the ordinary, and no one could see him. Well, not no one. There, there were a few. There was one demographic that consistently saw Joshua Bell and, and paused to hear Joshua Bell. It was children. Children. The story goes on. It says, a couple minutes into it, something revealing happens. A woman and her preschooler emerge from the escalator. The woman is walking briskly, and therefore so is the child. She's got his hand. I had a time crunch, recalls Sharon Parker, an IT director for a federal agency. I had an 8.30 training class, and first I had to rush Evie off to his teachers, then rush back to work, then to the training facility in the basement. Evie is her son, Evan. is three. You can see Evan clearly in the video. He's the cute black kid in the parka who keeps twisting around to look at Joshua Bell as he's being propelled toward the door. There was a musician, Parker says, and my son was intrigued. He wanted to pull over and listen, but I was rushed for time. So Parker does what she has to do. She deftly moves her body between Evans and Bells, cutting off her son's line of sight. As they exit the arcade, Evan can still be seen craning to look. (laughs) Again, children saw, almost without exception, uh, but, but most of the adults did not see Uh, Take the case of Calvin Mint. He came up the escalator, walked within just a few feet of of Joshua Bell, and later when he was interviewed, they said, did anything unique happen? He said, no. Did you hear any music? He said, no. And Joshua says, this is interesting because I was making a lot of noise. But there's nothing wrong with Calvin's hearing. He had his earbuds in. He, He was listening to the British rock band The Cure. The song that Calvin Mint was listening to was Just Like Heaven by the British rock band The Cure. It's about a tragic emotional disconnect. A man has found the woman of his dreams but can't express the depth of his feelings for her until she's gone. It's about failing to see the beauty of what's plainly in front of your eyes. Well, you can probably connect the dots by now. This is, uh, I, I see a parable for our life in many respects, but especially as we come into this season of Advent. I wonder if I came up the escalator that day, if I would have stopped to pause and take in the most important thing I could have done that day, the music, but I'm, I'm guessing I wouldn't have. See, I've seen a lot of street performers, and I have this 
conviction that if a street performer causes you to stop and listen, then you need to pay him some money. So that's just a tip for you today. Uh, but because I have that conviction, I almost intentionally don't stop and, and listen. Uh, I, I've seen a lot, but uh, I, I've gone on because I, I've got other stuff to do. I've got, I've got to get to this or that. And I think that's true uh, of us at, at this time of year. We come to celebrate Advent, uh, and, and it's traditionally this time. Did you know it was a time for fasting? It was a time not for gluttony, but for pulling apart from the world and, and just pausing and, and focusing on two comings, the first one and the next one, focusing on the, the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that comes. But, but I'm guessing that the, the operative word for most of us in this room when we come into this time of year is not hope, peace, joy, and love, but maybe more like stress, anxiety, debt, sadness. There's so much pressure and disappointment for so many of us in this room when we come, because it, it holds so much promise for us. And every, every movie that we watch says, man, Christmas better be the, the pinnacle of your year, and, and you better get the best gifts, and, and, our, and your kids are like, yes, you, you better. And there's pressure, like, am I doing enough for my kids or not enough? And then you go on Facebook or Pinterest, and you're like, these parents give their kids a gift every day of Advent. And we're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. You'll, you'll get one gift at, at, at Christmas. And so some of you are like, you're a terrible dad. But whatever, your pressure, your, uh, I don't want to go there. Never mind. Um, there's just pressure. I mean, there's more events. There's more activities added to your schedule. There's more uh, things. And they're all good things. I'm not saying that we should not do those things. I'm just saying that uh, there is a, an increased pressure. There's, there's not a sense of joining with the church through the ages to pause, to fast, to reflect and to see and to savor our Savior. And so, so what, what can we do? How can we enter into Advent this year? How can this year be different than the years to come? Well, I think there's some hints in this passage that will help us. How, how will this Christmas season be different? How, how will this season not be marked by stress, anxiety, debt, disappointment, and sadness? I mean, I don't know what your history is with Advent, but, but again, it, it seems to be a busy time of year. Uh, sadness because of, uh, I, I think of my mom who passed away about five years ago. She loved Christmas, and so when we come into Christmas, I think there's, there's those that were with us that are no longer with us. And there's a longing for, for reunion and renewal, but uh, there, there's sometimes brokenness in Christmas. Sometimes there's just anxiety. There's just stuff going on, and we all feel that. And so how do we make this season different? How do we see Jesus? How do we make hope, peace, joy, and love our operative words? Well, you know, to be honest, uh, in spite of all the, the pressure, in spite of all the commercialism to, to miss Jesus, the fact is, for 2,000 years, the vast majority of people have missed Jesus. That they missed Jesus on the first Christmas and every Christmas thereafter. Oh, they may have heard the music and they may have seen him, but they didn't know him, as this passage tells us. And there's some hints for how we can see and savor Jesus. John 
starts his Christmas account, unlike Matthew and unlike Luke, he starts it from a cosmic point of view. He wants us to see that this is the person worthy of most glory, honor, praise. This is the person where you will find your delight in. Listen to John's description of Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And we know from verse 14, the Word is Jesus. So Jesus is in the beginning. So uh, he's echoing at this point, uh, Genesis chapter 1. We looked at that a few months ago. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he says, this one that we co- are, are called to worship, there, there is no higher being. There is no higher uh, beauty. There is nothing more transcendent and magnificent than this one. And he unpacks it a bit more. He says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So every delightful thing you've ever seen has come by Jesus and through Jesus. That's what he says. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So so from a cosmic perspective, John tells us something amazing has happened, that, that this one, this one who speaks in, and the universe and quasars and all things come into existence, this one looks down at a dark world that has rebelled in sin and shame and, and, and sickness and all these things, and he steps down from his throne in glory into this place. There's no more glorious person or being in the universe that we could give our attention to. But then if you drop down to verse 9, the tragedy of it all. He says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's Christmas. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. It's reminding us. Yet the world did not know him. That's the great tragedy. Everything was made by him, by a word of his mouth, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So so they might know about him, but that word is gnosko. That that means they didn't know Jesus personally. They didn't have an experience with him. They didn't know who he was. They didn't see his glory and majesty. Maybe they were too busy. They were too worried. They, They had too much pressure going on in their lives to stop and pause and see and savor the one who created all things. The world did not receive him. And then verse 12, often as we see in the New Testament, when when the bad news is unfolded, that that, that something has gone really bad, there'll be a but. And and it's what I call a gospel but. Uh, When there's there's a a but following something really bad, buckle up because there's some good news that's going to follow up. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. So, so those words, received and believed, are synonymous in John's gospel. To, to receive Jesus is to believe Jesus. To believe is to trust Jesus. To say, I take everything I know of me and I give it to you because you are my only hope. You are my only joy. You are my only all-sufficient Savior. And so those that receive him and believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So there's the gospel in a nutshell. 
God looks down at heaven in the darkness and sin and rebellion, and he puts on flesh. So we have chili con carne, uh, beans with meat. But the incarnate is God with meat on. He puts on flesh. That's what the incarnation means, God with meat. And he comes down, and he enters into our world, the world he created, and he goes on a rescue mission that all who would receive him and believe in him, they would be transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, God loves. They would be made from enemies to sons and daughters of God. Here's the foundation, the ground for our hope that, that you uh, of Christmas. Christmas is, is an amazing time, but, but first it's a time of rebuke. The need for Christmas. We couldn't fix ourselves. We, we weren't good enough to get to heaven. Heaven had to come down and get us. But then there's hope. He has rescued us. There's, there's joy that, that, that our destiny is not in hell, but in heaven with Him. There's love. Now we are children of God. And the love that God has poured into us, we can now pour into others. There's peace. Ephesians 2.14 says that Jesus is our peace. While there was enmity between us and God, Jesus came and brokered a peace agreement by His blood. So there's peace, joy, hope, and love. Well, how, how do, so, so how do we see and savor Jesus this Advent season? Well, I think we have to be like John Piccarello and Stacy Furukawa. A couple people noticed Joshua Bell that day. The first one was John Piccarello. The cultural hero of the day arrived at L'Enfant Plaza pretty late. In the unprepossessing figure of one John Piccarello, a smallish man with a baldish head. Piccarello hit the top of the escalator just after Bell began his final piece, a reprise of Chacon. In the video, you see Piccarello stop dead in his tracks, locate the source of the music, and re then retreat to the other end of the arcade. He takes up a position past the shoeshine stand, across from the lottery line, and he will not budge there for the next nine minutes. When he was called later in the day, like everyone else, he was first asked if anything unusual had happened to him on his trip into work. Of the more than 40 people contacted, Piccarello was the only one who immediately mentioned the violinist. There was a musician playing at the top of the escalator at L'Enfant Plaza. Haven't you seen musicians there before? Not like this one. What do you mean? This was a superb violinist. I've never heard anything of that caliber. He was technically proficient with very good phrasing. He had a good fiddle, too, with a big, lush sound. I walked a distance away to hear him. I didn't want to be intrusive on his space. Really? Really, it was that kind of experience. It was just a treat, just a brilliant incredible way to start the day. Now, Piccarello, you may have picked up on, one of the reasons he was able to hear, see, and savor Joshua Bell was he has some background in playing the violin. He understood what, what something that was technical, prof, technically proficient. He understood that that violin was different. He understood all these things. And, and for us, it's it's for those of us that maybe have, have, have known and savored Jesus for a long time. It's why we study this word, not to get a bunch of information. Uh, the word was given for our transformation, not our information. 
So those of us that know the word should be able to go out into the world. And when we hear the music of heaven, we should be the ones that pause and stop and say, I recognize that because I I know about that. I I can see where God is at work. But but even if you you don't have that knowledge, even if you're maybe new and, and have just the slightest experience with Jesus, maybe you could be like Stacy Furukawa. She also stopped that day. She didn't arrive until near the very end. For Stacy Furukawa, a demographer at the Commerce Department, there was no doubt. She doesn't know much about classical music, but she has been in the audience. She, she had been in the audience three weeks earlier at Bell's free concert at the Library of Congress. And here he was, the international virtuoso, sawing away, begging for money. She had no idea what the heck was going on. But whatever it was, she wasn't about to miss it. Furukawa positioned herself 10 feet away from Bell, front row, center. She had a huge grin on her face. The grin in Furukawa remained planted in that spot until the very end. It was the most astonishing thing I've ever seen in Washington, Furukawa says. Joshua Bell was standing there playing at rush hour, and people were not stopping and not even looking. And some were flipping quarters at him. Quarters! I wouldn't do that to anybody. I was thinking, oh my gosh, what kind of city do I live in where this could happen? She stopped. She saw. So, so there, there's, some, there, there's one element that is true for John Piccarello, Stacy Furukawa, and that must be true for you and for me as we enter into Advent this season. Both of them paused. We have to be willing to pause. You have to be willing to say, this is the most important thing on the planet right now to see and savor. If we don't pause, we go right by, we go through another Advent season, and we miss Jesus along the way. So what's your plan to pause these next four weeks? If you don't have a plan, we want to invite you to, to just do one thing. On our website, redemptionparker.org, there's, a, there's an Advent devotion. It takes about three or four, five minutes a day. Uh, it's by John Piper, Good News of Great Joy. You can download it. You can put it on your Kindle. Uh, I read the first one this morning because today's the first day of Advent. You read the Scripture, you read the devotion, and you pause. You just have an, a, a heart posture of, this is the most important thing I could do in this moment. And if we pause, and if we see, and if we savor, then we become a different kind of people. We, we reorder our loves. We reorder our lives. We, we can then become like John the Baptist. I'm not saying we're John the Baptist, but, 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 but notice the wording of John the Baptist and the wording that Jesus gives his disciples that have seen and savored him in Matthew 28. He calls us witnesses. Those that have seen and savored Jesus then become witnesses. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. That's, that's your calling. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's basically your calling as well, to bear witness about the light. You are not the light, but you came to bear 
but you are sent to bear witness to the light. So, so if John the Baptist comes up the escalator and he hears the music, he's like, oh, I recognize that music. Oh, that's pretty good music. And he sees Joshua Bell playing. He stops first and, and he pauses and he sees it and he's like, man, this is awesome. But he doesn't just end with that. He doesn't just take it in for himself. He says, hey, everybody, come here. This is Joshua Bell. He's an international virtuoso. Oh, I'm talking too loud. I know. Just listen. You got to check this out. Go out there in the streets and bring those people in. Joshua Bell's playing a free concert here. It's amazing. you got to listen to this. That's our calling. But you can't, you can't know it if you don't hear it. You, you can't hear it if you don't pause and see and savor. And so as we be a people in this time and entering into Advent, as we pause and we, conf- we meditate on what Christ has come and done, then we go into our neighborhoods. We say, God, show us where you're at work because that's the most important thing I can be about right now. In the grocery store, are you at work there? In this conversation, are you at work there? In a conversation with my kids late at night, is the music of heaven playing there? Let me be a person that pauses to see and to savor Jesus. To that end, I want to pray for us as a people to become those kind of people, and then we'll come to our communion table. Father, I thank you for your word to us the call to pause, to see, and to savor you, Jesus. Lord, that's the most important thing we can do over the next four weeks, is to get a glimpse of you, to hear the sound of heaven, to pause. And Lord, when we do that, Lord, help us to just join you in in the work that you're doing. You came to reconcile, restore all things. And so wherever there's a reconciling, restoring work, help us to do that. I pray particularly for the team that's going to Lakota this, this next week. Lord, may they have eyes to see and ears to hear your music as you're playing up there. And Lord, for the rest of us, with our neighbors and our friends and our family members and all those things that will come across our path, may we not be so rushed with our agenda as to miss what you're doing in our midst. Pray, Lord, that you make us the kind of people that pause. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.